Today on a special episode of the Outer Twilight podcast, Mike and Andrew talk about uh, D23, all the announcements from Disney, Marvel, and Star Wars from this last weekend's convention. Welcome to the Outer Twilight Podcast. You are joined by AJ Craig and Michael Sonnenberg. As we kind of explore the space between seasons, uh, we finished season one just a little while ago. Season two will be starting right away. But uh, we wanted to take a little bit of an opportunity to, well, you know, I'll get to that in a minute. But uh, greetings, Andrew. How are you? I'm good, man. I'm excited to be back. Excited to explore storytelling a little bit more uh, we're going to make a few changes this season that, that we've talked about and looking forward to everyone being able to hear that and uh i think i'm hoping that there's a a chance to find something meaningful in in what we have to say so i'm excited for us to be recording again it's nice to be in conversation with each other so well i was just going to say <laughs> like we were talking the other day and <sighs> You know, we, our last episode was the Comic-Con episode, San Diego Comic-Con. Yeah. And we just had D23 and we were both really excited for D23. And we thought, hey, you know, we should do an episode, kind of a in-between episode for talk about all the big announcements coming up from Disney and everything. And um, so that's kind of where we're going to start, <laughs> but it didn't necessarily go the way that we had hoped which is kind well, of where we're going to go. Yeah, and we need to talk about that a little bit. So D23 is a fan-slash-investor uh, show, basically. It, it's not really exactly a con. It's more like a convention. But uh, it's a chance. Historically, it's been a chance for Disney to reveal what their new properties are coming out, uh, new movies uh, with both Star Wars and Marvel being owned by Disney or well, Lucasfilm is the larger aspect. Um, they tend to reveal then what the new Star Wars projects are, what the new Disney projects are, what the new Marvel projects are. And so that was what was going on this weekend um, uh, in Anaheim, I believe, or was it eh, anyway, it was, it was happening with Disney this week with, with their uh, within their company. Um I was expecting to see new trailers, new announcements, you know, generate excitement. And uh, historically, that is something that's been relied upon. Like you can rely upon that Disney is going to do these big shows and it's going to be something really cool. Um, and well, and yeah. traditionally what we've seen is Comic-Con, San Diego Comic-Con had become that. Yeah. And as Disney started to acquire like Lucasfilm and Marvel and stuff. And they had so much of their own. There was an opportunity. They started this D23, which what's the 23? Uh, I believe that it's the year the company was founded. Okay. <laughs> oh, so next year should be pretty big if that's what it is. But uh, yeah, so they started D23 and then last couple of years, partly COVID, partly um, keeping it more in-house, they haven't participated in San Diego Comic-Con as far as like having the full Hall H presence. 
And then they returned this year. We got, you know, the phase five, phase six rollout, the, you know, the Avengers Kang dynasty and, um, secret wars. And, you know, so I, I think part of that stoked people's excitement about what, what are they going to do? What are they saving for their own event? Um, from the Marvel perspective anyway, and yeah. what, you know, what are they holding back? And cause you know, and for us, for me, the big thing was, okay, we're going to get fantastic four. We're going to get, we're yeah. going to get cast. We're going to get a little bit more details. We're going to, we're going to see stuff. And so there was this anticipation because of stuff that had gone on before. And that's right. not what we got. No. And so it, did you want, did you want to touch on a little bit of what they did do? <laughs> yeah. So, I mean, it wasn't that there wasn't any reveals. So they revealed for Disney, um, you know, I can generate, what I'll generally say is from what I have seen of people who were there, they were really wowed because they were there in the auditorium with 7,000 other people, which, and some of the stars were there. Um, we at home got some trailers, a bit of news, um, but certainly not the environment that you would expect around one of these things. So I'm just going to, I'm going to say that. However, with what we got at home, I felt that it was definitely more of a thud as opposed to a woohoo, you know, like it, it wasn't, uh, so on the, di- well, I'll start with Disney, Disney properties themselves, pretty much everything they announced was either a sequel, a prequel, or a riff on an existing property. Um, you know, Disney Plus Day was December or December, September 8th. Um, they released the new live action Pinocchio, uh, to much disappointment from critics and viewers alike. Uh, another seemingly needless um, reboot. Uh, remake a live action remake uh and then so they announced you know uh snow white uh remake they talked about a little bit but it's still a fair ways off uh there's a lion king prequel coming out uh the, you know they announced inside out 2 hocus pocus 2 uh disenchanted which is a sequel to enchanted um those two in particularly felt like sequels that were 15 to 20 years too late um you know, disenchanted is not like it's it's that's one that really didn't gain a lot of cultural traction. It has its fans, but does it really have people that are going, oh, wow, I want a sequel to that. Uh, Hocus Pocus generationally was a huge movie. Uh, I hate to say it. It's a movie I personally can't stand. That's me. I understand there are fans of it. I'm sure people are excited. But with any sequel, you have to be a little bit concerned. Right. OK, Star Wars. Um Pretty much all the projects were thing. Well, all the projects that were announced were things that had been announced already. Um, Andor, there was a brief teaser. Well, Andor comes out in a matter of weeks. There are some Clone Wars shorts that were announced, uh, giving the story of Count Dooku and Ahsoka Tano. Nothing earth shattering there. Cool, but not earth shattering. Uh, teaser for Mandalorian season three. Uh, there was. What was the other project? There was a couple of announcements about Ahsoka, nothing major other than the live action Ezra Bridger, who's the Jedi from Rebels, uh, being in the film, being in the show. Uh, Lucasfilm Larger that same day also had a release for Willow, a trailer for Willow, the series, which arguably, again, feels maybe 30 years too late, but I will say looks good. Um, and then there were some announcements about Indiana Jones. Nothing was released 
uh, footage wise to the internet um, yet anyway. Uh, but the title of the film is apparently just Indiana Jones. Um, and apparently Harrison Ford teared up and whether that's age or excitement, it's hard to say uh, on the Marvel end of things. I think that's where fans seem to be the most disappointed. Um, there was announcement of um there was announcement of the director of the Fantastic Four, no cast announcements. That's all it was. Just the director of the Fantastic Four. They announced the Thunderbolts. All of the Thunderbolts are characters we know already. Not really any surprises there. Um, there was at, on site, there was apparently footage from a lot of projects like uh, the Marvels and a few others. But nothing really came out of D23 that was particularly earth shattering. And so that's uh, what we're looking at in this situation. Okay, so that's kind of a general overview of the stuff that was there. Was there anything particular at D23 that stuck out to you that made you excited? Excited would be a really strong word. Mm. Um, Like I was trying to pick up bits and pieces from Twitter uh, I was working at the time, so trying to find stuff and it was, yeah, I was hoping for maybe a bit more trailers. Um, like I, I saw the werewolf by night stuff. It was, that was interesting. One I, that was one I forgot but, to mention, but that one did actually look really good. Yeah. yeah. And I saw the, the secret invasion trailer and it was like, it did a really good job of not telling you anything, which I'm okay with mm. because it is like, high-end spy thriller mm-hmm. i don't want a lot to go into that right. um but yeah as far as like i'll admit and and this might be a good segue into where we want to go with this or at least where i want to go with this i was looking for fantastic four information yeah, yeah. from marvel and other than them announcing what had kind of already been announced out there about Matt Shackman um, directing, there was no information on Fantastic Four. Now I get it. Like from some of the people that I follow, like Eric Voss with New Rock Stars was in the building, kind of thing, and, and I follow him. You know, there was a lot of footage that they showed that was some of it was repeat of what they had in San Diego. Um, <clears throat> some of it extended a little bit further, so like they had some Quantum Mania stuff and. Uh, they talked about Ironheart uh, a bit and the stuff that was kind of meant to be in-house to get, you know, investors and, uh, you know, the YouTube personalities that follow Marvel excited so that they can get people excited with it. But, uh, yeah, from from a person at home, there just there wasn't much. And so, you know, like I texted you, I'd said, you know, is this like where you become a slave to your own success that everybody wants more and more and more. And you, as a company, you have to make a decision. Do we just get things bigger and bigger and bigger? And just to keep people satisfied on the hype machine, mm. or do we, or, you know, or do we, do we risk disappointing the fans in the hype part and just focus on having really good solid product? Yeah. I think that weighing expectations is an important part of everything. I mean, from the fan perspective, right? I mean, 
um, when you look at when you look at Comic Con, San Diego Comic Con, there was definitely a feeling that came across of you know sort of holding back a little bit. Disney, Marvel, Star Wars was kind of being held back. We got a few mentions. I mean, Marvel they did have quite a lot of content. It's just there wasn't anything really specific in that presentation. There was a Wakanda Forever trailer. There was a couple of show trailers like She-Hulk and stuff, but there wasn't really any other film uh, stuff that I recall anyway that came out um, at the time. And it was, it felt like, okay, well, D23 and I, you know, several commentators that I read regularly were saying like, you know, well, they're kind of holding off for September when D23 is happening. Uh, You know, they'll be, we'll find out more there. Um, You know, the more I think about it with Fantastic Four, they just announced the director, Matt Shackman. And I have to think that the movie, for one, the movie's November 2024. So it's almost two years. Well, it's just over two years away. Um, So I think, I wonder, I guess, how much of fandom, ourselves included, has anticipated that they must have cast it by now. At the same time, it would be unusual to have casting finalized before you have a director final. Right. Except except for where we're dealing with Marvel, where a lot of times these characters exist when before the movies exist and because they're from other properties. Yeah, no. And I I do agree. I think that's, you know, talking about the hype machine, I think part of it is trying to get a read. And, I you know, I I think the the key really with any company is going to be communication with your fans, Um, with filmmakers is going to be communication, trying to help fandom manage their expectations manage you know is it reasonable for us to ask this and we've seen other companies in previous conventions say things like just so you know you know this movie will not be seen much here we're not going to talk about that much here um whereas like fantastic four is a good example where it seemed at least there, there seemed to be a strong indication especially with reed richards showing up in Doctor Strange and the Multiverse of Madness, that there would be further conversation at D23. And that was not discouraged. Um, And and so what I guess I'm wrestling with is how much of what I feel as disappointment is overreaching my expectations and how much of it is the fact that I feel like I had a pretty good read on what to expect and was disappointed with the results. Um, I mean, obviously for you and I, the focus is Marvel. Well, Star Wars as well. I mean, you know, we both enjoy Star Wars as a universe. Disney itself, not as much. I mean, you know, my kids like animated films, but they could sort of take them or leave them. Um, there's not really, I just didn't find anything overly exciting there. And the live action stuff that they're focusing on, um, just really doesn't uh, do anything for me. All the live action, uh, remakes that I've tried have been terrible, uh, at least in my estimation, Mm -hmm. or, or I guess probably the best thing I could say is I never really understood why they needed to exist. Um, why? Yeah. Yeah. I was going to say needless. Like, yeah. What it's like, I think, yeah, Little Mermaid was one of the ones that they, yes, they, they were showing yeah. kind of the first look at. And 
And it's the music and the score is going to be mostly the same, just four new songs. And it's just, okay, a couple extra songs. But, you know, in, in a way, you can't blame Disney because they made a ton of money off of the live action Beauty and the Beast. And, yes, they did, yeah. you know, it's, it's kind of hard to discourage them when, you know, oh, hey, look, we got all these piles of money. So it must be because we made a live action <laughs> version of this animated thing. And it's like, you know, maybe it's the story and not necessarily that you made a live action version of a animated type thing. Now they can make a live action of Robin hood with, with foxes and chickens and all the different animals. Okay. Yeah. Maybe oh, I guess that was jungle book, but, um, or Lion King. You know, as we're, <laughs> yeah. So as we're talking, you know, it, it occurs to me and, and I hadn't thought of, and I can't believe I hadn't thought of this, what we've seen particularly um, it existed before, you know, I'm not going to say that this is a new phenomenon, but particularly since WandaVision, you know, the first Disney plus Marvel show was this industry really exploded this parallel industry of um, looking for deeper meaning of, you know, the, the YouTube channels that do breakdowns of everything that comes out in every piece of news, every piece of uh, video, every art, every interview, looking for more, looking for clues, trying to piece things together, you know, and, um, you know, and a lot of this expectation, you know, like, yeah, I follow a couple of them and I see that and I hear them talking about it and okay, what could this mean? And Oh, what could that mean? And, you know, if, uh, like how many times and you know, okay, this might be going a little bit too deep for the casual listener, but how many times at any time the color red comes up or hell gets mentioned, it's like Mephisto's coming, Mephisto's coming. Mm. Um, and the internet goes, goes nuts for that, or that segment of, of, of the internet goes nuts for it. And so then these, these investor events where, okay. So like if you were an investor, um, you're going to have access to a lot more information than you or I, are going to have mm-hmm. and you're going to be mostly you're going to be concerned what's the bottom line you know mm-hmm. what's going to be the profit versus the investment on on the on these properties and so just seeing that yeah things are moving forward that you know there's a building of excitement to it is kind of basically what they're looking for they they don't investors really don't care about what the story is as long as it Big turns money. them you know, a return on their investment provides dividends. Right. Yeah. So for the, for the casual fan, you know, we want to blame Marvel for not having a big stellar blowout event kind of thing and giving us the stuff that we want, but it's not necessarily Marvel. That's been promising us all this information and these tidbits. It's the, the industry that has grown up around it that, needs more stuff and wants more stuff so that they can have content while they wait for the next big movie or big announcement. I think you you're right in the sense that the, the secondary media does create some of that. However, I also kind of feel like Marvel kind of create Marvel particularly created this kind of monster star Wars kind of did too. I think with, you know, force awakens and then the subsequent ones, there was a lot of, um, you know, speculation in between movies. But when you have two years between movies, though, and they're only two hours long, there's only so much you can do. 
So you're right. I think it got amplified once you bring WandaVision along and you have all of these shows that are in between movies that are releasing every three months. There's suddenly sort of more content. However, what I would say, so when we had the first three phases of Marvel, the reason I feel like we, by and large, have these expectations with Disney and with Marvel in particular is because they did it successfully in the first three phases. You know, the movie scheduling, at least in phase one, was a little more spread out, sure. But, you know, they started that mid-credits trend, right? The mid-credit sequence trend. Um, you have Nick Fury showing up and mentioning the Avengers. You know, you have all of these. You had uh, Tony Stark showing up at the end of Iron Man 1 with Thunderbolt. I think that was Iron Man 1 where he talks about Hulk, right? Um, and so providing weapons to, to Ross. Um, but all of the mid credit scenes kind of tied directly into what was coming next. And there was like, are they going to pay this off? Are they going to pay this off? And as fans, the, I think the resounding answer was yes, absolutely. And you know, what is it? 24 movies that make up phase one through three. Um, mm-hmm. There isn't a bad one in the bunch. I mean, even like the Incredible Hulk, which would be considered kind of the low man uh, in the ranking, uh, is still not a terrible movie. It's just it's the worst Marvel movie. Right. And they're all really well done. They have a strong fan base. Marvel kept killing it and killing it and killing it. So I don't think it's unreasonable to have a rabid fan base that expects more. Um how many times like you and I, I mean, we, you know, we text a lot and there's a new trailer that drops or something, you know, and we point things out, but how many times have we mentioned like afterwards, you know, WandaVision is a great example where mid credit scenes don't seem to be pointing anywhere or really having a strong payoff that's near enough that you go, Oh, this is cool. I see where they're taking this. You know, the mid credit scenes now have almost gone into like, and I don't mind it with She-Hulk because I like She-Hulk, but you know, like the whole twerking scene doesn't have anything to do with what may come next. It's not referring to anything else. It's kind of an extra tidbit, almost like in Pixar movies when they include bloopers in the, in the, Mm -hmm. right. Um, Whereas the, before it was, this is, there's a momentum here. We want to keep the momentum going. So here's a little taste of what's to come. And man, it really feels like the disconnection that Kevin Feige acknowledged in, in phase four hasn't been helped by sort of lackluster promotion in between. And I think as fans, we're rooting for them to do well, but the disappointment is starting to get to me anyway. Um, what are your thoughts about that? Well, first off, I'm going to say, um, uncategorically, I give She-Hulk a pass <laughs> because the whole tone of that is that yes, it's a comedy show. It's very, very different. Yeah. And I'm not going to worry about what it is or isn't doing because no. what it is, is unique from what Marvel has done and. I'm going to let it be what it's going to be. Right. But um, no, I get what you're saying. And there's a part of me that wonders how much of that 
interconnected. Y- yes, they, uh, there was a mention of Avengers and all this stuff in phases one leading up to three. And, and it became more pronounced the further we got. And I wonder how much of that is the feeling that we had then versus kind of the nostalgia of looking back, knowing where it all led to. Right. Um, and because for all we know, come November, we watch Wakanda forever and suddenly everything falls into place and it makes sense. Hmm. Now, now I wonder if they're even maybe taking it a step further and this is just a random thought, but I wonder if they're taking a step further with all this, you know, this seeming disconnect and this almost this feeling that we're left with where phase four has really been about the feeling of disconnection after the return from the blip and how there isn't an Avengers anymore. There isn't a, you know, and the, the breaking in the multiverse that things are disconnected. They're, they're, they're spread out and it's, and could it be that they're being intentional about making us feel this way? So that when things start crashing, it become even more chaotic in phase five and then start crashing back together in phase six that, you know, that there's this grand crescendo that they're, they're building up to. Now, the thing that I will say, whether they're doing that or not, I don't know. You know, it's really hard to look at something like Eternals where, um, you know, where you have a celestial coming out from the center of the earth and it doesn't get mentioned again <laughs> until you know in she hulk bless its heart there's a little mention in a in a newspaper or or website about oh about this giant man coming out of the earth um it hasn't been mentioned at all up until that point but marvel has bought itself it has capital to play with here because it delivered it delivered an infinity game and it delivered at the end of end game Mm-hmm. And it built everything together and so many things paid off and, and paid off well. And it landed so well that, you know, as I look at phase four and how yeah, there's been more than a few, meh, you know, where I don't know that I'll go back and watch it. I knowing that I will go back and rewatch these things, but it's not like I'm in any hurry to go back and rewatch it. And and for me, that's kind of like the litmus test on something. Does it have a rewatch value to it? Mm-hmm. Um, but okay. Well, again, you know, she Hulk. No. Okay. The announcement that, uh, uh, was it captain America, new world order that the villain is going to be the leader from the incredible Hulk movie. Yeah. Um, and now all of a sudden, well, now I'm going to have to go back and watch that movie again, just so I can get all this background on, on the leader, you know, like they're masterful at, at finding these things and, you know, drawing them forward and then bringing them back. And like how important is like Thor, the dark world, which was not a good movie, no, but you know, with the Loki series and different things, it's become more important. The stuff that happened into it, yeah, and and even in the time the time travel and Endgame, they went back to that that period, um, and revisited it. It's yeah, I'm willing to give them the benefit of the doubt until yeah. they don't like you know until they start pulling some like Warner Brothers stuff where, um, 
not only do the, the decisions they make not make sense, and then it doesn't deliver on it, and then they start publicly questioning themselves, um, I'm willing to get give Marvel as much yeah. rope as they need. <laughs> and I agree. I mean, like, they're literally, like, phases one through three, there's never been anything like it cinematically ever. It was a completely new thing. And they absolutely did a fantastic job. So I don't go into any Marvel film expecting to be disappointed. I don't go into any Marvel show expecting to be disappointed. By and large, I found something that I enjoy about each of them. Um, WandaVision, I felt, was kind of overwrought a little bit. But you and I have talked a lot about, you know, some of those first shows are really badly affected by COVID stuff. And it was hard to pull a narrative together and things like that. So I'm not going to feel bad about, you know, I'm not going to feel bad about going to see these movies and go, man, this is going to suck. I hope it doesn't suck. I'm not going to have that attitude. I'm going to be like, I'm stoked for this. You know, uh, Spider-Man No Way Home was fantastic. Introducing multiversal stuff. Doctor Strange felt a little like they should have done more multiversal, uh, but it wasn't terrible. Um, you know, it, Love and Thunder was a misfire in my opinion. Um, and yeah. to, the, to the point where I kind of don't even really want to acknowledge it almost. Um, but I do agree with what you're saying. Like the deep dives back into, especially in Incredible Hulk, I loved, like in She-Hulk, I've loved, you know, the reference, you know, Mark Ruffalo, which was apparently an improv, you know, I was a completely different person then, literally, um, you know, like yeah. it, that, that whole thing was great. But then also like in Shang-Chi, they course corrected Abomination's design. He looked much better, Right. Um, the leader, speaking of mid credit scenes, the, one of the mid credit scenes in the incredible Hulk movie, um, was, uh, Tim Blake Nelson getting the gamma well, Hulk's blood on him, uh, dripping down onto his face. And then you kind of saw his, his head start to change shape just a little bit. Um, so there, it's cool that they're doing some deep dives like that. I think a bigger part that Marvel is facing as a, as a big challenge is their A-listers are, but I don't mean A-listers in terms of actors. I mean A-listers in terms of characters um, are somewhat exhausted in the sense that you have Captain America, Steve Rogers, who in the comics has been Captain America for, you know, since the war, <laughs> since World War II, mm -hmm. right? Um, it's tough to replace him with Sam Wilson. Although I like Anthony Mackie. I like the Sam Wilson character. I like that version of Captain America. It's just, it's not Steve Rogers is really the only issue with that. Same thing with Tony Stark. Tony Stark is a cornerstone of the Marvel universe. You can't in some respects have Marvel with no Tony Stark. So there is a big challenge. And I mean, then you had, um, uh, fellow that plays iron chadwick boseman um pass away very sadly you know and so then you're kind of out t'challa who is the the character because they don't want to recast him rightfully so but again you're down an a-list character um so now they are working to try to keep you know thor they're trying to keep hulk um but what do you do when your a-listers that the fans have been reading for a long time. I mean, that's what sells your books, not, you know, the adventures of, you know, stilt man. Um, <laughs> <Yeah. laughs> you know what I mean? So 
I think Marvel has a challenge there too um, with what they're going to do with these not minor characters, but B-list characters. Well, I think we as fans would love to see it go on forever the way that the comic book universe has gone on forever. But we, you know, we have to recognize that it can't, um, at least not in, in the way that we imagine it to be, you know, we, we we're, they're not going to be able to pull a Simpsons where, you know, it's a cartoon where, you know, Bart can be in what fifth grade for two, three decades. Yeah. Um, the, the actors are going to outgrow. They're going to age out. They're not going to want to do it anymore. Um, right. and you know, and part of that is okay. So then we're going to have to become invested in new characters or we're going to have to accept the fact that at some point, they're going to have to recast these characters if they want to keep moving forward in the same continuity or basically uh, or reboot the whole universe, which may be the end of what they're doing. It, it may, that may be what they're leading to in secret wars. It's kind of a, you know, in continuity, you can bring back Tony Stark, you can bring Gap back the original cap, but just in a different way. Right. Um, with the end of but, you know, that, who knows that, that being said, you know, there's, a very large segment of Marvel that hasn't appeared in the MCU yet that they made no mention of. That was the other thing that people were speculating about D 23. There was no mention of the mutants of X-Men again. And, and it's like, okay, that like, that's a lot of iconic characters there too. Um, different. Uh, and, that have existed in another universe uh, and that we don't know. And that we don't know what their plans are. We have to assume that they have plans for them. Um, but, you know, like I, I saw one commentator, I think it was uh, his Twitter handle is Mastertainment, but, um, and he's part of the new rock stars thing as well. He's saying, you know, in the first three phases, they could have delivered Thanos, a lot earlier, you know, they could have said, okay, we need something big, yeah. but they stuck to their plan. They built up to it, built up to it and it made it better for it. And he was saying, you know, with mutants, no, they haven't mentioned mutants. They're, they're going to start laying the, you know, the little breadcrumbs. Um, and they're going to build up to something and we have to trust that it's, and it going comes to be back to it. that and juxtaposition then of what's a reasonable expectation on the part of a fan and what is like, you're right. I mean, the company, you know, Kevin Feige has arguably earned or Figgy. I, I don't know which way you say it, but he's earned, Feige. he's earned our trust. Um, you know, he's earned the right to be given the benefit of the doubt. Um, I mean, at which point does excitement, become frustration um that's a question for the fan not for the company the fan shouldn't or the company shouldn't have to manage unreasonable fan expectations um especially when you know they've already the fans well if you can call them that the you know air quotes fans have put uh the toxic ones i guess is what i should say um mm-hmm. they've put the company in a you know they've put disney in general in a weird position because they these people are very interested in these properties, but they're interested in being jerks about it too, um, which is a whole other ball game um, and a whole other, 
tier of managing expectations without causing massive breakdown in the fan base. Um, so I think that, you know, I don't have a problem with being patient. I think by and large, like to get to the larger picture of D23, my problem was feeling as though there was quite a strong sense of treading water. Um, that we aren't in a point now where we're really interested in creatively moving forward of the three properties. I would say Marvel's the one that did that the most in D 23 was giving a sense that things are coming, but even still it was, there really wasn't anything new, new from comic-con. And that was a bit disappointing. Um, Disney itself and its own properties, that sense of just this creative dearth where we don't have, for some reason, they're not really seemingly interested in creating new ideas, new properties anymore. The stuff they do invest in that's new feels derivative, feels... Uh, I don't know what the word for it was like. It's trying too hard or um, yeah. I mean, they certainly did. They're, they're too, be- they're too beholden to their investors. And so they got to go with what's, you know, to a certain degree safe. And, but, <laughs> and the, here's another thing about the fan safe. base. And here's another thing about the fan base that's frustrating in kind of multiple directions is that there is a a big part of the fan base, including the people that go to see them that don't like the live action remakes, but they still go to the live action remakes and it makes, you know, boatloads of money because you're taking your kids. You want to have family friendly, family friendly entertainment. It's something to do with your kids. You can go, you know, enjoy it and all that kind of stuff and know that it's not going to be offensive at the level of some of the other stuff out there. So when you Disney does still have that going for them, that people can generally trust that they're not going to get anything really extreme there. So yes, those movies make money hand over fist and the ones that are original properties. And this is the kickers. The ones that are original don't tend to draw an audience as well. They don't tend to pull the same kind of numbers, but show me like sequels can make a lot more money than the originals um, if they're done right. But it just, it feels like people want what's familiar. Yeah. Well, and then too, like the, the, one of the movies they announced was wish, which is like the origin of the wishing, the Disney wishing star. Mm. uh, (laughs) Really? (laughs) feels like we're kind of, that that feels a little bottom of the barrel or, or like bereft of creativity. Um, and I should point out like, so 2023, and I was correct in saying that Walt Disney moved to California and founded what became Walt Disney company in 1923. So next year is Disney's 100th anniversary. Um, while I can understand the idea of doing some callbacks or projects like that, this D23 felt very much like business as usual, right? They had the new Disney logo, you know, Disney 100. 
you know, um, very prominently displayed in all of their trailers and everything they did, but none of it was, um, none of it felt like it was in honor of our 100th anniversary. Um, you know, what about doing a CGI, uh, Mickey and friends movie, right? Something they've never done before a full length CGI or 2d traditional animation as an homage, right? Mickey, Donald, Goofy, the original plate, um, kind of like the Disney version of the Simpsons movie, where you bring in all the secondary characters. Everybody loves all these this animated universe and has loved these shorts for years. Everybody has their favorite one. Um, bring in Huey, Dewey, and Louie, Scrooge McDuck, you know, all of those characters create something that's an homage to its origins. I think people would flock to that. Um just doing like, you know, Mufasa, the prequel to the Lion King. Find out how Mufasa became Mufasa. Okay. So that just makes it harder when he gets trampled by <laughs> wildebeest. <Yeah. laughs> you know. Um so I, I think we can wrap this up a bit. Like and we could we could go on and and and, and keep digging into this, but you know, I, I think things that when as we look towards our our next seasons to season two. Mm. Um, I think things that we need to touch on that we can talk about is, you know, toxic fandom. Yeah. Um, you know, like what we saw with the star Wars sequels and, you know, the impact that that had on, you know, casual fans on other fans, but, you know, on the actors who were called, you know, who, who got a job, probably a dream job to be in star Wars and to do, to do this and had their life, you know, ripped apart, you know, because they did their job and, and in most cases did their job really, really well, but it wasn't what, you know, a certain segment of the fandom wanted or the way that they wanted it or, and then a lot of, even uglier underlying things that probably exist within that. Um, And we'll touch on other things like even, uh, you know, the idea of criticism itself. Um, When you have toxic fan base, that's very vocal, you know, doing things like review bombing and stuff like that. It has an impact Mm -hmm. on legitimate criticism um, where, you know, you look at a legend like Robert Roger Ebert who turned film critiquing into a legitimate practice like that, you know, he's pointing out what he likes, pointing out what he doesn't like, asks questions that weren't answered, really looking into a film from its artistic perspective and evaluating whether it's good or not. Those things get eroded when you have a toxic fan base that will, you know, in the thousands review bomb a movie without having seen the property just simply on principle. Mm-hmm. It erodes the nature of real criticism and it erodes the ability to create really good art um, as a result. Well, and, and, you know, and then how much of this does that impact studios of just wanting to go to the safe well and not do, you know, anything different, anything new, because people might not like that. And then they might pull these kind of stunts and never give it a real chance to, to be what it could be. Um, you know, and I think for us within our podcast, you know, you know, we can spend some time talking about 
creativity on you know, from the aspect of originality versus you know using IP, and you know can you still be creative while going to the same well? And what what is creativity for you know again movies and stuff like that? Um, you know is you know four five you know can you be creative while doing that? Um, can you be you know as your thirtieth uh, Marvel movie, is it creative anymore? Um, you know, doing that or, or is it even a bigger creative challenge to tell that story with something that people have such huge expectations of how it should go? Can you still meet and exceed people's expectations creatively? I like talking to you about these things, Mike, because, uh, one, we have, you know, similar ideas, but at the same time too, it's kind of, it feels depressing sometimes to try and navigate the landscape of fandom these days. And it's nice to have friends you can rely on that <laughs> that you can laugh with, that you can enjoy things with. And so looking forward to another season. Sounds good. Well, we don't have an official release date for the start of the season. We're uh, making plans and we'll start moving that direction. So hope to hear all of you or, I guess all, actually all of you hear us. that all of you hear us. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And uh, we look forward to growing things as well as we uh, put stuff up on YouTube and other forms as well. So thanks for listening. Please feel free to like subscribe and tell your friends, tell a whole bunch. You just had the outer twilight zone for lunch. No, uh, that doesn't work anyway. Uh, thanks. And uh, we'll see you when we see you. Live long and prosper. <laughs> <laughs> and also with you. <laughs>